Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome inside Garage Door Sports. Your no-holds-barred weekly discussion on everything in the sporting world. For all your news on hockey, baseball, basketball, football, soccer, and more, you've come to the right place. And now, it's time for your hosts, Nick McVicker, Kyle Vardy, and Irfan Manji. We are back, episode number 60 since the rebrand. We're up in the 90s now. For total episodes, and after a week filled with interviews, it's just me and the boys this week. Nick McVicker joined through the Garage Door Sports Cup phone by my two amazing co-hosts, Kyle Vardy and Irfan Manji. Kyle, how are you doing today, bud? I'm doing good. It's almost December, and it's crazy to think like that. So, Yeah, and we're back in lockdown, so it's even harder to think about it like that. Exactly. Irfan, how are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I didn't even realize this either. It's our episode day. I woke up as if it's a work day this week, and I'm like, all right, it's Saturday. So that's been the start of my morning. I'm like, yeah, work. And yet you still beat me into the meeting room. Yeah, because I've been up for my work hours and then just sitting in bed going, uh, it's a Saturday, I guess. Oops. That's unfortunate. Well, at least you're awake and ready to go, I guess. You've had more time to wake up than me and Kyle. That's debatable. I'm still half asleep. Fair enough. Fair enough. Are you guys, are you guys in lockdown now? Yes, yep. yes, we are. Jeez. It's unfortunate. Jeez. But it is what it is. So we have to move on. Um, lots to talk about this mm-hmm. week. Lots of football talk to be had, as well as some soccer talk. And we'll see what else we get up to later in the show. But let's start off with our kickoff segment, sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you're looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. The Ferraro brothers, Daniel and Gabe, are both University of Guelph alumni. And after illustrious university careers, they want to teach you everything they've learned over the years. If you want to take your special teams game to the next level, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at CanadaKickingAcademy.com or follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. And we're going to start not with the NFL this week, boys. Let's go to the college ranks. And big news coming out last night that the Ohio State-Illinois game is going to be canceled due to too many positive tests on Ohio State. Now, that's happened throughout college football all year, and we haven't really brought that up because it's a common occurrence. The big story really is Ohio State is now just one forfeited game away from being ineligible for the Big Ten Conference Championship. And we all know that's huge, especially in relation to the college football playoff. So, Kyle, how big of an impact do you think this is going to be for Ohio State to try to get their act together and get a team out on the field the next two weeks? Well, I think it's a a huge problem, especially because it's not the other team that has the positive tests. It's them that have the positive tests. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those, they, they could definitely make a case potentially if it was other people that were bringing them down, but it's themselves that they're shooting themselves in the foot. Realistically is what it is. And if you look at, if you look at the playoff standings right now, if Ohio state doesn't qualify it, Texas A&M, Florida, Cincinnati, they're all looking at potentially hopping up right there. They're chopping Uh, up a bit for sure. It's one of those, 
And you can obviously even throw Northwestern in there, but I realistically, I don't think they have a chance comparatively between those three teams, but um, it, it has huge playoff implications if they truly cannot go. And that's, um, it would hurt the playoffs for sure. Cause I think having Ohio state and being, obviously they are one of the top four teams in the, in the country, I guess is what you could say. Um, and I don't really think you can kind of argue that the way they've played as well. No, but, I agree. But it's one of the, it, come, it all comes back to, again, it's one of those, if they don't play enough games, you really can't qualify them no matter whether they have the Big Ten championship or not. Yeah. You're, and that's the thing is that, like, if they don't have the Big Ten championship and Northwestern goes undefeated, right, and wins the Big Ten championship, in the rankings, we have to see Northwestern as ahead of Ohio State, don't we? Like, logically, that would make sense because they won the Big Ten championship, right, Irfan? Yeah, we would you would assume it would be the same, but we also talked about this a couple of weeks ago where, you know, the rankings are, I guess, based on popularity in a sense as well. So obviously Ohio state's going to maintain their top four or top five ranking for an extended period of time, I guess, until the end of the season. So that's, that's the drawback. Like, I don't think it should like in terms of common sense, it should be, well, who's playing well, who's playing more. I think that's how the seeding should be rated, but I guess they're just, like we said, extrapolating and, and looking at the future for that one. But I mean, there's a bunch of games that have been canceled, right. For, yeah. for Saturdays. And I mean, you look at since he's canceled, you see, look at Oklahoma being canceled, Tulsa being canceled. So, I mean, there's some big games or big matchups that, that have maybe big implications that have been canceled. And I mean, Ohio state obviously is the most important team out of that just because of what they bring in in that football program that they have that you guys were talking about. So I, you know, I think it's gonna be really interesting and it'd be very unfortunate for them because they have a very good program to not be able to play more football. I mean, for college football, when there's half your league can't play, you're losing revenue. You're losing some, some issues there. Absolutely. And you, you bring up the other schools that had games sort of canceled this week, but since he has played eight games already, they're mm-hmm. still undefeated, right? Like a lot of these other schools have played a full schedule, which means they're still going to be eligible for their conference finals and eligible, like realistically eligible for the playoffs. The big 10 didn't have any leeway. They had no wiggle room because they started so late. And like. I was I was all on board with them not playing because the Big Ten has such a big travel thing. And, I, like, had they not played, I would have understood. They decided to go ahead with it. Are they now feeling the effects of that as a conference because they might have cost themselves a playoff position, Kyle? Um, I, I think I think, I think they, they definitely are. Um, obviously, right now, that whole conference, uh, you're looking at, probably indiana maybe has a shot northwestern maybe has a shot um but realistically it's all going to come down to to wins and quality wins that's the biggest thing it's going to be if there's too many games canceled between between those teams it's it's just not going to work and unfortunately that is the case um this whole year as we've said many many times before it's just a weird ass year and um this falls right in line with it. So absolutely, and you, you mentioned Indiana, but Indiana has one loss in this shortened Big Ten season. I, I don't think they have a shot at any playoff bid. They they have a shot at the if Ohio State can't go, they're in the Big Ten championship. Yeah, that, that uh, I was more talking about the Big Ten championship. Sorry, okay, that makes sense. Then. But like, still, like 
if we're putting Northwestern up against Indiana, I think Northwestern walks the floor with Indiana in that Big Ten Conference final. Uh, potentially. The, uh, you also have to think Indiana's only loss was to Ohio State, and they lost by seven points on, like, the last minute. So um, they definitely play that into a factor as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, so essentially, if, if Ohio State is, like, taken out, there's a lot of people in the college football playoffs rankings that will probably just wipe that loss from Indiana's record and basically view them as undefeated. That would be a, that would be an interesting take, and I think that, that's something that has to play into a, into factors, obviously. But Irfan, I'm going to ask you this one now: uh, If for some reason Ohio State somehow lands in the top four at the end, even if they don't win the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. Or don't play in it. They go undefeated in the regular season, but only play five games. Yeah. What impact do you think that will have on fans uh, following the rankings and the legitimacy of the rankings after this year? Well, I mean, the rankings itself have always been questioned, right? Like, it's always like, how do you make it legit? Like, I mean, yes, the teams that are up there, like, I don't think anyone can argue that Bama, Dame, Clemson are the cream of the crop, right? No, but absolutely. same thing with Ohio State, just it's circumstances that are, I guess, making the decisions here. But at the end of the day, I don't know what the impact will be in the sense that if you've played five games, but then you have teams like BYU, who's 9-0 and currently, like, I think they should get a chance. Like, it's a COVID year. I get it. Just if you haven't played enough games, I don't think you should be a part of the rankings. Like, I think that's the only fair way to go about it. And teams that have been scrapping and playing – you know, 12 games by the end of this campaign, I think they should get a they should get a chance to, to be at the top. Like, I mean, I think BYU should be a little bit higher just because of their record. Um, Cincinnati is 8-0. They should be higher. You know what I mean? Like, just temporarily, that's play like that. If you haven't played enough games, you shouldn't be in the ranking currently because we get the situation. Um, but if you're looking at just from a football sense, then – I think the teams who've played should get that opportunity. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying for sure. And I think if they were going to try an expanded playoff, this would have been the year to do it. With mm-hmm. with the inconsistencies of the number of games each team is playing, they could have expanded this playoff to eight teams. Right? They could have. Realistically, Kyle's, Kyle's like shaking his head up and down. He's, he's not really sure if, I, if I'm right, but like if they had expanded to eight teams, and Ohio State doesn't win the Big Ten championship but finishes undefeated, would we argue that they belong in the top eight? Probably not, mm-hmm. right? But because it's top four, because we're saying it has to be the four teams that did the most this season and earned a spot in the playoffs, if they don't play in the Big Ten championship game, Kyle, are we arguing that they're a top four team still? Or But if they were a top eight, if it was top eight going into the playoffs, would that even come up? Um. I know that's two questions, kind of, but based on current rankings, no, I don't think it would come up because I think they would still be in top eight based on who else is there. Obviously, look at like nine to 12. You're looking at Oregon, who just lost Oregon State last night. Uh, Miami, Florida, seven and one. Their only loss is to Clemson. Uh, Northwestern's five and oh. Indiana's four and one, but their only loss was to Ohio State. So, realistically, other, you know, Maybe kicking out BYU, and, and I get BYU's un, undefeated, but BYU hasn't played anybody. It's the same problem that Notre Dame has had until they moved to the ACC championship, was that 
they never had the quality wins against teams, and that's why they were always weren't ranked number one or two. They always ranked potentially three, four, five. Right. Because they just didn't value the quality wins. And that's why the BYU-Washington um, game was going to be huge for BYU because BYU needed to face a quality opponent. And if they slapped the shit out of Washington, then they solidify their place and they go even higher in the rankings. Because I think in the playoff rankings, they're 14th, but in the top 25, they're 8th. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. 14th in the playoff ranking right yeah. now. Um, they have Ohio – our Iowa State is 13, we're at 6-2. and two. Indiana's 12. Oklahoma's 6-2 and two at 11. Miami, Georgia's 5-2 and two at 9. And then you have – I think that's the same eight as the – yeah, yeah, top top seven are always in. Yeah, so so it, it's one of those. Could we rank Ohio State in the top eight if there was a top eight? Yes, I, I think they would still be a top eight no matter what. Um, and I think it would come down to who's they've played. If BYU in the last couple of weeks potentially sets up a matchup with somebody who else got canceled, um, and who may be a top twenty-five team, and and they beat them then I think you could actually make the argument that BYU is ahead of Ohio State in the top eight. I, I you would agree with that, that yeah. I would agree with that, no problem. But, but if they keep playing independents who aren't ranked and have two and six records, it's just not it's not enough strength of schedule to yeah. put them through. And that's what we've been seeing with Cincinnati this year, too, is that they, they're playing a better schedule than BYU, and that's why their 8 no record mm-hmm. is higher on the rankings. It's as simple as that. Or fun, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, I had a question. I mean, how do we how do we create more competition where teams that are consistently in the top twenty five get an opportunity to play other teams in the top twenty five? Like how do we how do they build that? Like for a team like you said, BYU, who hasn't really played anyone of, of note, like how do we get them to play, I don't know, Texas A and M or something or Florida? And I know I know that's probably based on uh, on the, the division that you're in, but at the same time, like how do we how do we increase the competition then because then you want not the same two three teams or four teams making it every year which is great because that's their program is fantastic but how do we you know what i mean like how do we increase the competition because i want to see more teams that are going to come up and upset and actually play well i think this year this year's an anomaly because most of the conferences had to play within conference this year so you were kind of stuck playing the teams in your own conference for the most part, I know it's not all of them were like that, but pretty much all of the conferences made that rule that you had to play within your own conference. So this year's sort of a throwaway regardless. Um, moving forward, if you think your program's good, you schedule games in non-conference games against good teams. Like, that's that's the way it works. You see the Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, like these big-time schools are always going up against – like small schools in their non-conference games, right? They make their non-conference schedule easy. But if you're a BYU and you want to prove yourself, you go up to a Texas or you go up to a LSU or something like that and be like, hey, let's play a home and home. One year, your home. One year, our home. Yeah. And let's set that up for two years from now. And then that means you have to keep your recruiting class good for the next three years. And the, the other biggest thing they can do is join a conference. Yeah, BYU. If, if you join, because right now BYU is independent, which means they just play basically whoever the hell they want out of the independents and anybody else. So, right, that, that's what was, I keep going back to Notre Dame, but that, that was Notre Dame's problem was they were independent, so they joined the ACC this year. And now it's, they still have a strong program 
in the ACC. So that's the biggest thing. So, um, like if, if for to be for BYU to truly compete and truly, um, I guess be considered like one of those top teams, I think they have to be in a conference with those top teams. So whether it's ACC or whoever else they may may be able to join, um, as long as there's some quality competition, I think they're in a better spot. Yeah, and I mean they were they were in a conference for a while, weren't they? Yeah, but but their program was their program was so bad that they they went out to independence. Yeah, and basically they were Mountain West up until like 2011. Yeah, and they basically had to reset the uh, their program because it was just they were terrible, awful. They were awful. Um. So, but even like even then, like you look at the the Mountain West, it'd be um. Well, I guess we Nevada would be the top top competition there. Five and zero. Oh yeah, Nevada and Nevada's so. had a good season too. Boise State is also in the Mountain West, and they're four and one. On the- yeah, um, yeah. So it'd be like like that would definitely get, and Boise State was ranked. So if BYU Boise beat State Boise. Yeah. Um, actually, didn't Boise? Yeah, BYU already did beat Boise. They, they, they did beat yeah. Boise State this year. I think they're pretty um, much. I think BYU is pretty much playing that Mid Mountain West conference. Yeah, they're still playing. It, yeah, and yeah, because they yeah realistically, I think they would need to get into a bigger conference because the only team that was ranked was Boise State, and they absolutely shit pumped them. But Boise State was on their like their fourth string quarterback, so yeah, yeah, they were they were struggling there. So. Um, let's move on to another college football story that also sort of came out yesterday. And Vandy is going to make history this week. Well, weekend, I guess. And today. they will have... Huh? Today. Today. This weekend. <laughs> um, they're going to have a female kicker. And Sarah Fuller will become the first female kicker in a Power 5 conference game. Which is incredible. And to add to this story, because I don't know how much you know about this one, but... She's the keeper for Vandy's national championship winning women's soccer program who won the national championship six days ago. She finished, they won on Sunday. She celebrated Monday and then went to football practice Tuesday. (laughs) Oh, dedication. That is dedicated. That is also just an incredible week. Like, yeah. Um, she becomes the fifth female to, if she does get into the game and kick, she will become the fifth female to kick in college football. So not the first in college football, but first in a Power Five conference game. Uh, Irfan, we talked to Emma Ray Dale last week. Yeah, we did. And now this story comes out. How big is this for uh, female athletes in football? This is great. I mean, I think the women's game is already growing, which is something we've seen over the last year or two years, right? With the WNBA, the NWSL, the NWHL. I said it right this week. Um, I'm proud of you. Thank you. So, I mean, this is good. Does it open up doors for female soccer players who can kick really well? Yeah, it does. I think this is this is good because I think we'll start seeing a little bit more of the crossover. Like Emma, Emma Ray last week, she talked about the crossover and how it meant so much to her and the fact that she's a fantastic athlete and still able to compete at that level. Um, I think we're going to see more of the crossovers and I think it's great. I mean, I like it. I think it's cool. It's good news. So 
Um, the fifth woman to do it, it's fantastic. No one's appeared in a power five, like you said, or an SEC football game. So that's, that's, amen. It's great. I like the game. Absolutely. Kyle, your thoughts? I'm trying to see if I can bet on her kicking points right now. <laughs> <laughs> and the a... degenerate is here. I, Good morning. I can't, I, I can't unfortunately. Um, no, to be honest, it, it goes right along with our conversation last week. Um, the fact that women are trying are pushing more and more into male dominated sports. Um, it's, it's huge. It's great. And it's, I love to see it. And we, I'm pretty sure we have said multiple times that probably the easiest way for women to get into football would have been through the kicking squat. Absolutely. Because well, Emma Ray that, even said it yesterday, yeah. uh, last week. And there, there are some women out there that have absolutely cannons on their legs um, and can just boot a field goal. Um, who was the who's the USA uh, women's player that was trying to get a kicking job? Oh, was it Morgan? Was it Morgan? So. I don't think so. I can't, I can't I remember, can't remember but I know was. I remember the story. I just can't remember yeah. because she she tried and, out during the off season one year. Yeah, and, and it was just like one of those like honestly, I'm kind of hoping that that Vanderbilt ends up winning this game and it just becomes that much bigger of a story. And if it ends up being like a walk-off field goal, I was going like, to say, I, she I wins think, on a walk-off. <laughs> I think people will just lose their mind and it will just make this story even bigger than it currently is. Like, Cause right now, like it's heard about, but it's not being, I guess, really brought up a lot more than it should. Well, it only came out yesterday. Like she was, she was officially announced on the roster for today's game yesterday. So no mm. one really knew that, what was going on because don't forget all these practices are pretty much behind closed doors now because of covid so you could pretty much hide when you're doing something special this year as opposed to other years right it's the press they find a way no matter what they do no but like she's also only been there for three days it's the press they find a way but like the story is pretty incredible because the vandy coach the football coach i should say they've been just having health issues and their special teams are just absolutely hit with either positive tests or just players in quarantine right and he reached out to the women's soccer coach and said listen do you have a body i guess he, he probably reached out to both soccer coaches and the women's soccer coach got back to him first and said yeah our kicker's pretty good she can kick the ball pretty far mm-hmm. so he brought her out to practice on tuesday and said Let, let's see what you can do apparently she did pretty good because she'll be on the roster i was right? gonna say she must have impressed that's for sure you have to impress so it'll be interesting. I'm going to definitely be trying to watch that game. I don't know if it's on TV up here. Uh, Missouri Vanderbilt, there is no chance in hell. Well, it depends on what other games are at the same time. There you is no chance in hell because there is a 12 o'clock game. All right, fine, whatever. They would rather have Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. That could be a good game, though. Chuba. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch and see how maybe – Maybe she lasts the rest of the season, too. I know they don't, don't have many games left, but it could be interesting. They're also 0-7 Vanderbilt. Yeah. I'd like to point that out. They're not They're yeah. not good. Nope. Uh, by the way, it was Carly Lloyd who wanted to oh, be. Yeah, that's who it was. Here. And she, who was she trying out with? Was oh. it the Eagles? Uh, Wasn't the Bears? The Bears? Well, the Bears were trying everybody under the sun out. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it wouldn't surprise me if it was the Bears, you know? I think it was the – was it the – I'm just going through the article. Eagles for some reason. 
competitive Ravens Eagles joint practice. Um, something mentioned about the Bengals. Oh, uh, it might have been the Eagles because. Isn't uh, she from there? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it might have been the Eagles. This might have been information we probably should have beforehand. If well, we weren't really wrong, thinking but, about it. Yeah. I'll pull it up. Hold on. I got this. Yeah, it was the Eagles. Ha! Yeah. Suck it. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm reading the article. Yeah. August 20th, 2019. What did you expect? She's a world champion. Yeah. So, yes, it was the Eagles. But could this open up a possibility of an of a female kicking in the NFL one day? I, I think the way to get that, it's got to be a success story. You, well, you, you, of course. It, I mean, it's it got to be a success story anyway. <laughs> no, but like that's that's just the biggest thing. I think it's like, obviously everybody's going to doubt and hate on this until it's a success. And if it isn't a success, they're going to be like, well, there's the reason why. That's why, you know, women aren't playing football with men right now. Right. That's going to be the thing. And it sucks that she's a senior. Like, if she was a junior and had another year mm-hmm. to maybe prove that she belonged on the team regardless of quarantine and regardless of health issues, maybe this could be, like, a stepping stone for something further, right? We don't know, but... As a senior, she gets one year. She gets to finish out this year and try to prove herself. So it'll be interesting. Uh, last daughter, fun? No, looking forward to it. I hope it continues. I hope the trend continues. That's all. Okay. All right. Well, that'll do it for our kickoff segment sponsored by Canada Kicking Academy. If you were looking for year-round professional development with elite competition, you need to train with the Canada Kicking Academy. You can visit them at canadakickingacademy.com for more information and follow them on Instagram at Canada Kicking Academy. They've been doing some great things. I know it's sort of getting into the off-season for them, and with COVID, their restrictions are limited, but they're doing what they can out there. So give them a follow. We will be back after a quick break to talk some more football of the NFL variety, and we'll get to soccer and the other sports after. Good day, everybody. This is Ryan from 20 Minutes on Ice. Join me and my co-host, Nick McVicker, for opinions and analysis on the week that was in the hockey world. New episode available every Friday, wherever you download your favorite podcast from. 20 Minutes on Ice, part of the Garage Door Sports Network. We are back folks and we'll go from college football to nfl and this past weekend we saw something that none of us want to see ever absolutely horrific injury for a up-and-coming star doesn't matter who it is though we don't want to see horrific injuries regardless but joe burrow the number one overall pick in the cincinnati bengals new franchise quarterback after having a rookie year to awe at i guess is the best way to put it he is done for the rest of the year and possibly the beginning of next year as he has a torn ACL, MCL, and other structural damage in his left knee after taking a unfortunate hit, I think is the best way to put it. Like the original tackle would have been fine if the lineman wasn't being thrown on his leg as he got hit. It's it's unfortunate. I can't even watch the video anymore. It just sends shivers down my spine. Uh, Irfan, I'm going to start with you, man, and this is obviously horrific, but how does this affect his 
growth as a NFL player? Well, obviously he's going to lose a year, right? Like we're looking at the rest of this year and potentially next year. So that hinders everything. But I mean, based on the reports coming out is he's working hard at coming back. He's like, I'm, I'm sure like he knows that this isn't the end to his career. He's super young. Yeah. Um, more so, I hope the Bengals protect them a little bit more. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like once a player gets injured, sometimes if they're like last year contract or whatever, they, they stop really focusing on them or like there's no guaranteed money. So, I mean, I, I do hope the Bengals take care of him because he was a bright spot for this lineup. I know they're two and seven or whatever it is, but realistically, he's I mean, good regardless of that. Yeah, he has. And even when they, they lose, he's played well. Like he's, he's fun to watch because of his energy. And I think, uh, when you compare him in terms of what you see with Mahomes or what you see with Jackson or any of the young quarterbacks is like they bring this level of confidence and energy. And I think the Bengals needed that this year, even if they're on a losing streak or a losing record. I think I think he's going to be a massive blow. It's also going to show us that the Bengals have more holes than we want to admit because they do have a lot of holes. And I think Joe is covering that very, very well. Yeah. So I, I hope like in the future they they can protect them. Uh, continue to protect them and then find pieces that go okay well this is how our year went if we had three four five of these players you know what we wouldn't be two and seven we might be five and five or something like that whatever the record comes out so um, I think it's it, it's rough for him in his career but I don't think it's the end of it because I think he's he's young he's going to be great yeah and I, I was talking to a, a NFL analyst uh, this week in an interview and he was saying that they basically treated him like a crash test dummy, the Bengals. Mm. Like, they gave him no protection. He basically said, we're awful. We have very few weapons out there. And, oh, yeah, we don't have an offensive line. Go win us games. Have fun with that. You can't do that to a player, especially a rookie. But you hear what his teammates have been saying since the injury. And I think A.J. Green. Yeah, it was A.J. Green. Um, he said after the, the, after the game in his postgame press conference that – Burrow came into the team and was just automatically one of the guys. Like, you see a lot of these young players who come in, and they're a little timid. They take their time to get settled before they start speaking up. Burrow walked in and said, all right, let's go, boys. I'm, I'm, I'm the quarterback. We're going we're gonna to do this right. And that's what it takes to be a leader, and he's shown that in less than half a season, really, and he's, he's done well with it. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, first off, Joe Burrow has more weapons than they can possibly ask for. The only problem is the offensive line. Um, with Tyler Boyd, AJ Green, T. Higgins, and Joe yeah, Mixon. Okay. Before, uh, before rookie. the season. Before the season, no, no, no one knew what Higgins was going to be. And... But even then, AJ Green and Tyler Boyd as your top two receivers is better than the Patriots have had in the last three or four years. So well, we we um, established that the Patriots have had very few receivers over the past like fifteen years. We understand that. I'm just, I'm just trying to say, I don't think there could have been a better location to go to with weapons-wise. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a better location to go to with offensive line-wise. Yeah, there's a lot of better locations. But I think, honestly, I think this will have Cincinnati reevaluate everything that's going on. Yeah. Um, as for his development, I think this puts him back, puts him back probably a year at least. Um, just because he's going to have to rehab, but he's also going to have to be comfortable playing with his injury because that's not going to be an injury that goes, that's just going to go away. It's going to be with him, and it's going to be nagging him. He's going to probably have to wear a brace on that knee for God knows how long now. Um, and I, I'm, 
interested to see how he bounced back. If he's timid when he's throwing, if he gets the ball away really quick so he doesn't get hit. Yeah. Like how he really bounces back from that. Because the way the thing that made him so great this year was the fact that he was willing to stay in the pocket, take those hits, and find the open receiver, which was allowing the Cincinnati offense to do what they could. Yeah. You know, and, and with with Burrow going down, I, I'm definitely looking at Cincinnati thinking to go out and get a veteran backup right now just in case there is a chance that Burrow doesn't play. Um, it would be a smart decision to do that. but well, you, you look, I'm surprised they didn't do it already, to be honest, because like you look at their backup quarterbacks right now, you're looking at Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen, who was a practice squad guy they just signed off. To. Who's starting, apparently. Yeah. So I it's, believe in Finley. They, they have no I, faith in Finley. <laughs> I don't like. Did you see him last week? Like, I'm just saying, like, it's, I'm just saying they're putting a <laughs> – a practice squad quarterback mm. in that was to start the game after your starting quarterback gets hurt, as opposed to the backup mm. who's literally been practicing with your team all year. Yeah, like he, it, when he when he filled it when Finley filled in for uh, Burrow last week, he dropped back fourteen times, got sacked four times. Yeah, but how much of that is on the on the offensive line that we oh, just I, said was awful? <laughs> but I, I think it's also because he's he's not playing. He like he was just. Frantic! Oh shit! I'm in the game. Oh crap! Uh, not uh, uh, not uh, only uh, that, uh, though, uh, but like I I wiped that the rest of that game out for one reason and one reason only is that the team was probably just in shock. Like every player was in mm-hmm. shock that their leader just went down. Yeah. Right. And w- and is going to miss significant amount of time. And then Finley goes in there and he's just like, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Because no, he wasn't expecting to play at all this season. Let's be honest. If yeah. Burrow doesn't get hurt, Finley doesn't see the field. Oh no, not at all. Right, so it's kind of a shock, and I'm, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Yeah. So, but this also means that if you're a backup quarterback in the league currently, you should be ready to play every game because you can't go in like that. Like, I know you have a star, but if some if someone gets hurt, hey, I, I'm ready. Like, you got to be taking reps throughout the game. You never know. Like, there's we've seen a lot of quarterbacks go down over the last couple of years. Uh, it, it depends. Like. Hey, you guys are right. Get a better, better backup for next year. But if you're a backup now, shouldn't you be ready every game to play? You can't look frantic like that. So you can't, but they do. That's the Bengals too. So well, and then you look at um, who's yeah, Josh McCown. I think he's playing for Detroit. I think right now he's the third string. I think something like that. Yeah, and he's making he's making a million dollars sitting at home. He doesn't I even show that. up. Can I do that? Like, he literally just doesn't show up, and they're like, "Yeah, all right, here's a million dollars." Can just I do that? Ready. Is that an just, option? Yeah, just be ready. It's like, oh, okay, I can be ready. <laughs> I can even show up to practice if you want. <laughs> yeah, just let me know. Let me know. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, like I think you're right, Kyle, and it it might put him back a year, but by the sounds of it, is he's not going anywhere. Like he is staying with the team. He's not going into quarantine. He's not going to go hide. He's staying with the team. He'll be at the practice facility. He'll be in all the meetings. He'll be learning as much as humanly possible while he can't physically do anything, mm-hmm. which is a testament to him because he doesn't have to go into the facility. He doesn't have to go into those meetings necessarily. Like that's not something that is required of a player who's nope. injured like he is. Like he's not no. playing the rest of the year. He doesn't but, need like to be you involved. said. But like you said earlier. Oh, the minute he walked into that locker room, he took command of it. I think he's a leader. Um, I'm not surprised he's there. Even with the injury, I'm not surprised at all. And I think this is something the boys can lean on, on that, in that locker room and say, well, if our leader can be here 
should be an injury, um, that means we can have some fight in us. And I think it's a good motivator. I agree. I'm just saying, like, that's a testament to him because he doesn't have to. Like, he literally – he could be at home and maybe zoom into meetings. Like, he doesn't have to be there. He is going to be there. He is going to be probably on the sidelines on game day if he's allowed and just be with his team because that's the kind of player that he is, right? Mm-hmm. So that that is a testament to him. It'll be interesting to see how it actually all plays out, but it, he, uh, I think he'll be ready for next season for sure. Um, any final thoughts on Burrow from either of you guys before we move on? I'm good. I, I just hope he recovers well. That's the biggest yeah. thing. I hope he comes back and plays like he was, like because he was fun to watch. He made yeah. that Cincinnati team watchable, for sure. Because to be honest, they weren't last year, which is why they got him. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to another starting quarterback, and it's your guy's old quarterback, boys, uh, Tom Brady. And primetime has not been kind to Mister Brady this year in four primetime games he has one win and that was the believe it was the Monday nighter against the Giants which they won by two points and almost choked and almost and almost lost that game what is it about primetime this year in the Buccaneers where they are just struggling now I know the two of the three other games were against pretty good opponents in New Orleans and the Rams, but Bears and Giants? I know the Bears defense is good, but this Buccaneers team was supposed to be Super Bowl contenders, right, Irfan? That's what we thought, but we also said that Arians continues to be outcoached, no matter who comes up against them. So I think yeah, Brady's a factor in terms of not playing well in primetime, but I think you gotta you got, if you're the your coach there, I think Arians takes a little bit of the fall because like he can't he's getting out coached by even the small teams like the Giants almost beat them so like you're looking at that primetime record being 0-4 potentially had they not squeaked by like how do you how do you get out coached by the Giants no offense to them but um no I'm <laughs> that being sounds real. offensive I don't know okay maybe a little bit of a shot at them <laughs> but but you, if you compare them with the squad that the Bucks have versus what the Giants have in front of them I mean that should have been like a, a 14 point win or like a three touchdown like you know what i mean like it should have been a bit better win like you can't be going tooth and nail and then all right we won by two points great thank god <laughs> and i get i get the losses to the good teams um but you can't if that team has super bowl aspirations you can't be losing to these teams like you can't have trouble um should be closer you can't lose what is it three to 38 in week nine against the saints like you can't lose like that like that makes zero sense to me. So that one pissed a lot of people off in the betting world. I remember that game. Yeah, it's supposed to be closer than that. Well, no, it was supposed to be like just an absolute shootout. Everyone was taking the over in that game, and they scored forty-one points combined because one team just didn't show up. Right, Kyle, as he shake nods his head it's, up. And yeah, down. yeah. <laughs> I think past the reason, and I know we've discussed this, but past the reason is that Aaron's got out coached again, um, and. I think if you're if you're coaching Brady, you got to give him some of his options. Like he has to be able to make more decisions. You can't just be like, "I'm still the coach. I'm going to make these decisions." I think there's something. There's no communication happening between the star players and the coach, and I think I think it's showing now, and yeah. it's unfortunate. Yeah. Kyle, 
Uh, to be honest, I think we let Brady walk when he was supposed to. And I think it's, um, as, as much as I hate to say it and as much as I love Tom Brady, I think it's, I think it's honestly father time catching up against, against him. I think it's what it is. It's, it's one of those, um, he, the biggest thing he was saying before was that he didn't have weapons. Now he has weapons. And a lot of them. And almost too many weapons, I guess, is, is what you can, I guess, argue, but, um, I I don't know. I think I think it's honestly just him that um, he can't play past eight thirty because it's his bedtime's at nine, <laughs> and like it's one of those like, well, looking at how he's played, I can kind of understand that point <laughs> to be honest. But um, <laughs> it's 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 hard to watch because of how good he was before. Yeah. Uh, and how far, obviously, he has fallen since, obviously, getting older. It's the biggest, biggest thing. But yeah, um, it's also that defense, that defense we were talking about before, uh, of how great they play against the Packers and how how they they you know, shut down Aaron Rodgers. Ever since that game, they've been absolute dog shit. So yeah, I yeah, know it's it, true. It's one hundred percent true. It, it's as much as we want to put this on Brady. It's also the entire team's just not clicking. Like the only person clicking last week was Antonio Brown and that's because Brady kept feeding him like 150 times yeah they've forgotten the run game they've basically taken Mike Evans from being a superstar wide receiver to being now a a good wide receiver because he just doesn't get the ball and gets covered by everybody um you know and they brought in like Gronk who is now a purely blocking tight end he just doesn't catch passes anymore unless it's first and goal yeah and then it's, it's literally and, the only time that they throw to Gronk right now. I, I, I know yeah. he's had two that are over ten yards, but other than that, it's one yard plays. Yeah, and and they brought in Fournette to be potentially a a, a big figure in the backfield, and it's and been shown mo- flashes. He's yeah, shown but, flashes, but not but enough. it's been mostly Ronald Jones. So that's the Ronald yeah. Jones was. If Ronald Jones doesn't fumble the ball, Leonard Fournette doesn't get in the game. Yeah, it's as simple as that, and it's one of those. The whole team's just. Right now they're in a playoff spot, but if I'm if I'm facing them in the playoffs, if You're it's a primetime game, I'm not worried at all. No. But it's funny, like you look at his stats, right? Like Brady this year, he's forty five yards from three thousand on the season, with still six games to go, because it's a seventeen game schedule this year. His touchdown percentage is the highest it's been since twenty sixteen. But his interception numbers are what is alarming. He's at his interception percentage is 2.1. He's never had an interception percentage in the past 14 years. That was above 1. Uh, he's at one, sorry, above 1.4 in the past 14 years. That's that's alarming. Yeah. If if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because you got him last year, he had a one point. He had eight interceptions all of last season. 1.3 percent of his passes were intercepted. This year he's at nine already at a two point one percent. That's that's scary. Yeah. That's not what you expect from a, a Super Bowl champion like Tom Brady. And yes, I know he had one bad game where he had how many interceptions in the one game? Four. He was four. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Three. It was three against New Orleans. He had three interceptions in that game. So you take that out, he's still at he's still at six. That's not good for he's at five interceptions against the Saints. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. 
Yeah, it's this. The Saints' pass defense has been actually half decent this year. It's mm. their run defense that is problematic, and we see when. But the problem is, as soon as you shut down the run for Tampa, the Bucks can't be a one-dimensional team. That's the other thing that that we've seen in a cut the last few weeks. It's been obvious. It's been very apparent, and that's why the Rams had success last week. Is they just shut down the Bucks the Bucks run defense or run offense, and just said. Beat us through the air. Like, good luck. It's not gonna work. Cause they get they get stuck and Tom it can Tom is not the young buck that he used to be. He's not gonna get out of the pocket like some of these young guys and extend plays. Mm-hmm. That's not his game. That never has been his game. Right? Yeah. Um, do you think this continues if they get to the playoffs or does playoff Tom sort of return? Uh Irfan, we'll start with you. I still think you got to give him that opportunity that you got to still think that he can do something in the playoffs to make the playoffs. So I wouldn't bet against them just yet. Personally, um, I'm obviously talking to two betters. So um, I'd give him the benefit of the doubt and say that, you know what, if he can come to the playoffs and show up in the playoffs, then that's fine. Whatever. If that's what matters the most. But if he tanks this year in the playoffs, then I'll be like, you know what, Kyle's right. I think it was a good time for the Pats to, to separate with, arguably the best quarterback of all time so yes i'm okay with that but at the other point like i think we've also noted that i think brady and belichick they come as a pair like when you split them up they're both struggling right so i think i think both guys should look at their egos a little and 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 see that you know what we needed to be together in this relationship for it to be successful. So that's one I, thing. I, I want to debate that. I want to debate that. You want to, deb- okay, then debate like it with me. Debate it. Okay. Then debate. Brady left and went into a system that had multiple weapons. They brought in two more weapons for him. Three more technically, if you count for net and he's struggling. Mm. Belichick lost half of his team basically on both sides of the ball with people opting out and people leaving and bringing in a new quarterback, trying to create a new system, which he hasn't had to do for what, 20 years, basically. Yeah. And he's still winning some games that I think some of us were surprised that they were winning a couple of those games. So I would actually say Belichick is fine. He just needs to get used to his personnel that he has this year, and when everyone comes back next year, they'll probably be a significantly better, for sure. I don't think okay. either of you two Patriots fans would disagree with that statement. That's true. And once mm-hmm. he gets a system figured out with the quarterback, whether it's Cam or whoever they end up having under center next year, I'm just I'm, I'm using Cam because he's the current guy. If they figure out a system for whoever the quarterback is next year, Kyle, stop just, shaking your head! Just, just go for it. It's for the story's sake. Let it be. Let him. Let him make his point. And then I you said, whoever the him. quarterback is, whether it be Cam or somebody else, we don't as long have as he a puts a system right in that works. We have a I running back Belichick that throws the ball. Oh. <laughs> that could work too, but I don't think that's really Belichick's forte. No, that's what he's doing with Cam Newton right now. I know, and look how good it's working out. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. So if they can get that system set up, and he can have all of his players back. They're a better team next year. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt. Whereas Brady has been given all the opportunity here. He missed Mike Evans for a few weeks. Right? But other than that, most of those weapons have been around all season. And he's still finding ways to struggle with everyone back now. They've lost three of their games, I think. Or they've lost the last two 
where everyone was around. Right? Who, the Patriots? No, the no, Bucks. The Bucks. Oh, the Bucks, yeah. Right? With everyone around and they're still losing games. So I think Belichick is fine. It's Brady who okay. needed Belichick. Um, coexist. Yeah, to be honest, I don't think this after this year. I don't think you can say anything really. I don't think you can really argue. Again, obviously, you can argue either way, but um, I think the biggest thing is this year is kind of a chalked up year. Yeah. With how the season has actually gone, obviously, with the Patriots having like seven people opt out, it kind of has affected that team a little Absolutely. bit. Absolutely, that's what that's um, what I'm saying. I think we, we got to wash this one away and see how he does next year to determine Belichick's standing. And that's if Belichick is around. There's a chance that Belichick doesn't come back. He needs to be like he has enough of this rebuilding season. Doesn't want to start with a brand new rebuilding team. Maybe yeah. he walks away. So, what's his contract? Uh, he's the GM and head coach. He can retire when he wants. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, if he if he has a contract, he might finish out the contract just because it's Belichick. Yeah. And I'm looking at quarterbacks next year. The Pats can go after in free agency at least. Yes. And there's nobody. What? No, Jamias Winston. Well, there's Dak Prescott, but uh, I don't know if I want to take Dak Prescott right now. So. After the injury, that's yeah, that's a tough. Especially because he'll probably want like a one-year prove-it deal and then go back out. Yeah. I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Although, I mean, if he wants a one-year prove-it deal, we're better to go than the Patriots with Bill Belichick. Fair. (laughs) I'm not saying he's going there, but where? what better situation could you go to than with the genius QB system guy that is Bill Belichick? The The biggest intrigue for me would be Mitch Trubisky. Or I'm just saying, as a young quarterback, potentially being able to do more. With Irfan's him. laughing. That would be it. Irfan's other than that, laughing. other than that, is Listen. Jacoby Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, who I think was one of the biggest over overrated quarterbacks. He's good, not not great. Man. I wouldn't even say he's good. I would say he's okay. He's good at best. Um, I take Cam again, just out of that list. Well, you got Dak and you got Philip Rivers, who I ain't touching with a goddamn ten foot pole. Make Screw. it a foot pole. Let, let's bring, let's bring Fitzpatrick in. I'm sure Fitzpatrick will do fine though. Actually, yeah, he's played in the division. He's played in the division, and I think with Belichick, I think he'd be good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's right, wrap. You know this. what? I'll side with you on that one. <laughs> well, Fitz, Fitz magic to the Pats. We called it here first, folks. Fitz magic to the Pats. Uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, we'll head to a quick break here after the break. Champions League talk, MLS playoff talk, right here on Garage Door Sports. Welcome back one more time. Nick McVicker joined by Irfan Manji and Kyle Vardy. And boys, we are through four games in Champions League match play. And some teams are already into the next round. Uh, let's let's do a quick wrap-up of all eight divisions or groups, I should say. I always call them divisions, but it's groups. 
Uh, Group A, which we thought we had figured out, but so far only one team has really stepped up. Bayern is through 4-0 record, 4-0-0 record, I should say, and only giving up four goals in four matches. Any real surprise there from anybody? No. Didn't think so. But the rest of the division is actually still up for grabs. Technically, all three teams could uh, go through. It's currently sitting Atletico in second with one win, two draws, and a loss. They're on five points. Lokomotiv Moscow is 0-3-1, so they have three points. And FC Salzburg is 0-1-3. They are sitting on one point. Realistically, all three have a mathematical chance to get through. Most likely winner, we're taking Atletico still, right, guys? Irfan? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. They're going to lose against Bayern this week, but um, they, they should be able to beat the other. They the best, best case scenario for them is that they lose to Bayern and then Salzburg beats Lokomotiv. Yes. That's the best case scenario for them. Uh, Kyle, your thoughts on this group? I can't trust Atletico. I really can't. <laughs> like, to be honest, like you keep the, betting on them. That's why. And it's just like, like what the hell? Like, like I get it, but like, what the hell? Score a goddamn goal. Um, to be honest, I I think Lokomotiv could pull this off because I think uh, Bayern in that final game um, could potentially rest people. I'm assuming. Like, because honestly, that final game doesn't mean anything. I would assume they, they might, but right. So right, they I, could rest I, people for the next two games, and Atletico <laughs> win the next in match day five. Right? Also, but they haven't lost in how many months, Byron? So I think and they, they might want to keep that going. Try to keep that streak going. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but, but I think I think they'll try and keep it going against Atletico, yeah. and seeing based on how that game goes and how the rest of things goes, if they're banged up a little bit, then they could definitely just rest people, and it could potentially push locomotive through uh in that final game against Bayern. So um and Atletico even even if Salzburg's at the bottom, I can't trust them to beat them. Like no knowing knowing my luck, they're gonna draw. <laughs> well Salzburg out of the two Or you're bosses, gonna take the draw Kyle and they're gonna lose one nil in a ninety yeah, second game. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Irfan, I totally cut you off there. But you were saying fine. Salzburg. Uh, no, Salzburg has played better than that. Yeah, than they their, have. They've been they've, unlucky. Yeah, they've been very unlucky. Like, Bayern hit another gear against them and absolutely crushed them. But um, for 78 minutes of that first Bayern game, they were great. They haven't played. I don't think they've been bad. I just think they, they've been unlucky to sit well, back there. Like, in their four games, they Salzburg drew Lokomotiv in match day one. Mm-hmm. They lost 3-2 to Atletico. Yep. In the second match day, they got absolutely pumped by Bayern 6-2 and then 3-1. So, the other two games, they were in. Like, they were not out of any of those games. Well, a bounce I here, think... a bounce there. They win both those games, and they're sitting in second, right? Like, well, like two and a half games out of the four that played, yeah. Like, imagine if they went the other way. Imagine that Bayern game being a draw at 2-2. Two, two. You're looking you're sitting, at a complete... you're sitting at two points at that point now, and that that changes the match day three, right? Yep. Or match day four, sorry. Yeah, it does. So, no, it's interesting. Uh, I, I that could be an interesting race down the stretch. Um, speaking of an interesting race, let's move on to Group B, where all four teams mathematically still have a chance to go through. 
through four through four match days that's a surprise sitting at the top of the division and which again i think this is a surprise to me at least is uh borussia Mönchengladbach. they're sitting on two wins two draws and no losses and only four goals against in the first four matches so on eight points they're leading this division right now did either of you see this coming kyle did you see this one coming we'll start with you um no to be honest i, I thought it was gonna be a real um I, I definitely could have seen them second for sure yeah um but i thought it was gonna be a real one and obviously the when we talked last team. yeah like the, when we talked last though it was real wasn't doing anything so no. they were uh obviously losing the shaktar kind of threw everything out of whack yeah and then they so, drew mooching glad back in the next match yeah. too so um to be honest, I, th- I think this is uh, Mushin Galabak and uh, Real going through on this one. Um, I think Shakhtar caught Real when they were down. And if they don't win that game, you're looking at one point. So That's uh, potentially two if you draw it. But um, I think they just caught Real with their pants down, I guess is what you could say, and mm-hmm. um, caught them off guard. So I, I think this really is a two-horse race because Inter Milan looks absolutely terrible. Um, which is a surprise as well. Yeah, but they just have not shown up. They haven't played. They just when when you're when your guy gets sent off in like the twentieth minute for basically standing up to the referee and putting your face in his, it you can't look do that. Team. It's, it's in the book. You cannot do that. Yeah, it doesn't look good in your team. So, Erfan, no. uh, your thoughts on Group B? Surprised where Gladbach ended up, just because. Yeah, they've been great in Germany, but we don't know what they are in Europe. So I was a little surprised with that one. I thought Shakhtar would be better at home uh, against Gladbach the first time out, but they got thumped, which, got I mean... Thumped I, I, is I, putting it nicely. I was being nice there. I mean, Shakhtar, to me, could have finished second or third when this group started just because of how good they are in Ukraine. Like, that's just their track record. Um, but I'm actually happy that it isn't... The, the the normal teams that are up there i think gladbach's played really well and i hope it continues like defensively their structure has been good but they've actually been getting goals which is great and yeah. kyle you touched on this inter's been shit i mean like to Don't be fair words. though no but like to be fair though like that first game against real uh, match week three um neither team wanted to win like it didn't look great and then inter still didn't touch the ball all of last game where hey, you need the ball to score. Like, they're trying to play the counter, but you have Ashley Young making runs, and he's the only one making runs for you, and everyone's just like, okay, I want the ball, but they're not moving. So I think this is just Conte's uh, Europe record where he hasn't been great in Europe, even with Juve. And we're going to continue to see that. So unless they can pull out the next two wins and maybe make a challenge, they can end up in Europa. Like, that's the best-case scenario for them is try and get into Europa at this point and take another swipe at there's no Sevilla this year, so there you go. <laughs> Maybe they have something going. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I agree Bless with you guys. Bless you, buddy. I tried to mute and didn't work. <laughs> Clearly not. Um, let's move on to Group C, and this one's kind of going exactly like we thought, so we're not going to take too much time. City is in first, Porto is in second, Olympiacos, and then Olympic Marseille. Um, Really, the only surprise to me is that Olympic Marseille is below Olympiacos. But other than that, I thought Porto was going to be two for this one. Irfan, thoughts? Um, same thing with you. I think it played out the way it did. Yeah. Uh, AVB at Marseille, like you can't trust them <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that they're in fourth, but I am surprised they don't have any points. Like that's something yeah. that's a little curious. But uh, I would say though, Men's City's defense um, 
this is a good group for them to figure out their defensive system um, with getting uh, Laporte and Diaz a little bit more time together. Um, so, Agreed. I mean, good for them and not surprised that they are first. Kyle, thoughts? Uh, I'm not surprised. Okay, good. Uh, group D, which is going to come down to a battle for second, my guess. I don't know if I don't think any of us think Liverpool will drop to second, but there's three teams in this one. Michelin is officially eliminated, but Liverpool sitting on nine points, and then Ajax and Atalanta are at seven. Uh, Kyle, this has been a fun group to watch the games because the games have been entertaining, not fun for betting purposes. Yeah. <laughs> He's not happy with me. <laughs> no, on on the first day, I made lots of money in Champions League, so I'm fine. I lost a little bit on the second day, but it is what it is. Uh, um, I made a lot of money on Real because they were 3.2 underdogs, and that was an absolute joke against Inter. So um, thank you, Bet365. Appreciate it. Um, no, to be honest, in this group, I, I think I think there is a chance Liverpool could fall out. It all depends how that Ajax game goes. Um, if, 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 Ajax, if that Ajax game changes this uh, this coming week, if there's a chance Ajax upsets, um, Liverpool could be looking at, on the way out because um, there's there's a good chance that Atalanta be, beats. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna try to say the name. Michelin. Michelin. Yeah, there you go. Um, there's a good chance that Atalanta wins this week. Yeah. Um, which would bring in the ten points if Ajax upsets, it brings in ten points as well, uh, which literally means Liverpool has to win. No matter what, like, there's no chance of a draw, which there's a good chance of that, obviously, but who knows what Champions League. Yeah. Irfan? Um, well, the best match in the entire Champions League fixtures this year was Ajax Atalanta. So that, yeah. that's something to look forward to, I think. Um, I called Liverpool losing against Atalanta on our show on Touchline there because. You did. You did. I, I remember hearing yeah, that. Yeah, just because I, something about their defensive structure. But they've they've been hit with an injury bug and the COVID bug, so I think yeah. I, I don't think, think any little... team across Europe has been hit so hard with injuries this year as Liverpool has. Yeah, and their entire little... back line, other like sorry, all of their center backs are out. A bunch of their attacking guys are out. <laughs> well, yeah, and then uh, Robertson goes and picks up an injury for yeah, um, and Trent's not healthy. So I mean, I think best case scenario for Liverpool is coming out with a draw, and I think that's what they should. Maybe not aim for them, but at least they shouldn't be disappointed if they come out with a draw. You know what? I think they're not focused on this next game. I know that I, sounds I know that sounds stupid, but I think they're fine with a loss in the next game because then Ajax and Atalanta have to play each other. Yeah, and six. one of them goes through, and then if they can beat Midland, they'll finish one of them, with points. Yeah. Well, either way, so let's say they draw on that day. All Liverpool, like Liverpool, would need to win regardless. Mm-hmm. But if Liverpool, we're assuming Liverpool beats Midland. Which I think is a fair, which which I think is a fair as of right now. As of right now, that's a fair assumption. Things can happen before then, injuries, whatever. But as of right now, that's a fair assumption. They're through regardless. Like no matter, there's no possibility that they aren't through. They'd have to lose two games in a row, and Ajax and Atlanta just win their respect, and then they what they play for a draw or something like that. But But assuming Liverpool gets one win against Michelin. They're through regardless. So, yeah. um, let's move on. Group E's already decided. Chelsea and Sevilla will be representing Group E, so I don't think we really need to talk about that group unless you guys want to. It's not really a surprise either, to be honest. No, not at all. And neither team's been great though, so like that's something to look forward to. to the next. Yeah, no, not, neither team's been great, but 
they're better through. than the other two. <laughs> they're through. That's all that matters. No, uh, group F could be interesting, but I think the top two teams currently, Borussia Dortmund and Lazio, are going through. Club Rouge still mathematically can get through, but Zenit is out. Um, again, another division where no real surprises, right, Irfan? No, I don't think so. Um, the loss, the Brewster loss, was a little surprising, but yeah. Uh, other than that, I, I'm, I think Lazio has been good in Europe. Yeah, uh, Kyle. No, to be honest, there's no real surprises for me. All right, two more left, boys. Uh, Group G also already decided, and surprise, surprise, there's no surprise. Barcelona, Juventus going through. Maybe the only surprise is that Barcelona is currently sitting first, mm. as opposed mm. to Juve. But other than that, the two teams that I think we picked to go through are going through. Right, Kyle. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, I, I had Barca at the top, so I wouldn't have I, – I don't think it was any real surprise. Okay. Irfan? Yeah, I had it flipped. I thought Juve would lead the group. Um, they were a little undone when Barca came to turn with the three turno- turned goals, but, I mean, that's fine. It's the two teams that you expect to go through. Yeah. And then Group H, which is still up for grabs, and technically, technically all four teams could – magically find their way through but um united sits on top with nine points psg leipzig sit at six and then istanbul is on three um i'm a little surprised i'll be honest that united is at the top of this group when they were made i thought it was going to be psg at the top and then united uh, leipzig battling for second Hmm. psg and united flipped obviously with that huge win in paris by, by the United team. Um, what are we thinking about for this one, Irfan? There's two ga- two games left. United plays PSG and Leipzig, and then they each play Istanbul. Well, first of all, it's not done. And no, United God, no. fans And United fans that are like, we're leading. No, guys. No, we're no, we're no. leading. No, that's right. Technically, that is right. We are that leading. Per- that means we are absolutely leading. nothing. <laughs> um, man, the next two games for United are PSG and Leipzig. Yeah. And the other two, they're going to get Istanbul once. So by the end of... everyone's on nine points yes, without the two games the, against United. That's pretty much what we're assuming. We're yeah. assuming here that everyone's at nine points and United need points. If yeah. United didn't lose to Istanbul, yes, this, would have been, this would have been locked up pretty much. Yeah, but they yeah. lost and they, they don't want to... They cost me a lot of money. <laughs> they, they, they cost me a lot of joy, so relax. Um. But a good bounce back win, which is good for them, yeah. like the last couple of weeks. But um, well, yeah, I don't know, like Istanbul this group. This week. Pardon? They took it to Istanbul. They this did. Week. I mean, it's Four. dumb of them to give the, give away a, a goal because I think they were coasting for a little bit. Yeah. And that's when Istanbul scored. But geez, like this is far from over. If you're, if you're Oli, like this is it. Like you got to be able to steer through this. Like we say it every week, but damn it. But you know what? Like, United handled Leipzig in the first match at home, 5-0. And they looked really good against PSG in that match day one. So, like, it's not unrealistic that United goes through here. Like, on top with two wins. Like, it's not a question. No, but with PSG getting healthy and Leipzig realizing, hey, we can't do that. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. They say PSG was was a mess when they played the first time, weren't they? They, they had were, they had their players. They just weren't cohesively. Playing. They were ju- they were just a mess on the field. Like they they yeah. had their players, yeah. except for I think Mbappe wasn't there. 
don't think it's somewhere missing. Uh, just a just a small anger missing. That's not no, but the, with the number of attacking options they have, they they should have been able to still compete. They didn't look good regardless. Yeah, Bappe yeah. hasn't scored in weeks in terms of Champions League. So, I mean, look at him to to break three games this time, but damn it, that this 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 is the real group of death. And I mean, you can take any of the three teams sitting there. Well, they play they play United next. Yeah. Um, on match day five at Old Trafford, so that'll be interesting. Let's move on quickly, and I mean quickly, boys, to the MLS playoffs, and holy moly, the Eastern Conference top two are out because they look awful in the first round, TFC especially. Mm. Like, they got nothing against a expansion Nashville team. What is going on? Is this just a product of the bye week or bye game, I guess, because Nashville and New England both had an extra game to play and look more lively than the top two teams. I'll open up the floor to you two. I think they took it for granted. I think both teams took it for granted. I mean, Union's nine and a home record got shattered, first of all. And I think they, they thought they'd they thought they'd walk over New England and Nope, the Rev showed up. They played Bruce Arena playoff soccer, and and they won. And then I think TFC. I think TFC going into the playoffs, like I told you guys last week, was they were cold. Yeah. They were extremely cold. They were they've lost three, lost four. Um, Josie Altador started this game when I don't think he should have been the one to start the game. Um, they didn't penetrate Nashville, and Nashville. I don't know. Like I think. I think TFC's at fault here, and I don't know if you're going to blame Greg Fanny on this and say, why did you start Josie, or why wasn't it more of a let's get them because they just played a game. They should be tired. No, it's Nashville came out and won the game. So um, out of the two matches, like the two top two teams, I think I'm surprised that the Union lost, but I'm not surprised TFC lost because of how cold they were. Fair enough, Kyle? Yeah, as much as I wanted TFC to win, um, watching that game, it looked like they were in like a tar pit or something. Um, because they were about four steps too slow at every point of the game. Um, I, I don't understand how they were that slow. I get the cold weather and everything like that, but it just it was almost embarrassing to watch them. Um, because every chance that TFC had, it'd be like, all right, well, I missed by 45 feet shot over the net, it's fine. And all of a sudden, Nashville would come back and they had three goals count uh, called back on offsides. And it's like Nashville was the best team out there, and it wasn't even close. And TFC was a lot of betting favorites to win the Eastern Conference. Like as good as Philly was this year, they were TFC was looked to win the the Eastern Conference playoffs, and mm-hmm. they just were not ready for this Nashville team, and they were not they were not prepared for this game, and it looked bad. Um, flip side on the West, three out of the top four teams went through. Because logic, right? Mm. So there you go. The only team, the only top three team that lost was Portland, and that was on PK. Speaking of which, three PK games, yeah, three shootout games in the first round of playoffs. Mm-hmm. It's it's been entertaining, and some of them have been really entertaining games. That San Jose Sporting KC game was incredible. That's fun. Six mm-hmm. goals, and yes, a lot of people are arguing that the game should have been called earlier because it was supposed to be three minutes of extra time. Wondolowski's goal came in the 97th minute, mm. but San Jose or er, Sporting KC's goal 
came in the 92nd minute. And then there was two substitutions and celebrations, so 97 is not a stretch. No. And then their goal, <laughs> Sporting Casey's keeper comes up and makes three saves in the shootout, not allowing a single goal, because that's incredible. Why not, right? Mm-hmm. Eight, seven <laughs> PKs for the Portland-Dallas game. Like, just incredible games, really, in the mm-hmm. first round outside of the top two teams in the East. Mm-hmm. Which is the Orlando, the Orlando game was good too. That was close. Was Could have gone either way. That was a. Did, did you see that penalty shootout too? That was a gong show. Mm-hmm. Six to five. Not even that. The keeper. Keeper getting sent off. Keeper got sent off <laughs> yeah. because he jumped off the line and they had to put a player in that and he makes the save to win it. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are the odds? And trust me, we used to practice that mm. on our team. I had to go in that for PKs in practice sometimes. Just in case, yeah. Just in case, like if something happens, because whoever's on the field has to, they, you can't bring in a guy off the bench. So whoever's on the field when the PK start are the only people who can take kicks and who are the only people who can go in net. Right. So if your keeper gets thrown out, you don't have a backup on the field unless for some reason you decided to put a backup on the field as like an extra striker, but that's just not a thing. So, anyways, it'll be interesting to see who actually wins the MLS playoffs now because I think all the favorites other than Seattle are pretty much out. Yep. Uh, maybe Sporting KC, you can throw them in there after the season that they've had. But Seattle looks to be the favorites in the MLS, so keep an eye on that. Let's wrap this one up, boys. Uh, final thoughts. Irfan, we will start with you, my man. Um, man, another sad news coming out this week. Um, Diego Maradona passed away, so... Oh, Congo- condolences to oh i'm sorry we can it's share okay. it it's okay uh condolences to condolences to the sporting world condolences to his family um i think he was a fantastic player and that's a loss 2020 has not been kind to a lot mm-hmm. of our our goats in around the world so um rest Just, in, rest in peace my friend i'm gonna add on to that absolutely classy move by the all blacks today yeah the one today i retweeted there yeah it's pretty sick yeah um before a rugby game against Argentina, they had a All Blacks kit made up with Diego Maradona's number 10 in his name, and they presented it before they did their haka, which that is a sign of true class on the All Blacks part, which it doesn't surprise me because they've always been a very classy yeah. organization. So no surprise. Well, every Kyle, time I see the – oh, sorry. Oh, one oh, last thought, sorry. Uh, every time I see that, that haka, I always get chills, but today I was like, man, that was – double chills chills and like a little emotional like it was it was a good tribute so thank you it, for them it was intense for sure oh 100 uh kyle your final thought my man uh two congratulations uh mickelson barkley for beating manny and curry in the greatest soccer or greatest golf match i've ever seen in my life um i don't think i've ever seen such bad shot tracers in the history of golf and it was absolutely hilarious to watch um and then well, it's the funny other, to watch. I yeah. will give you that. The other congratulations is to Rogers finally understanding they need to blow up the Rogers Center and create a new stadium. Um, it's 31 years old now, and it needs upgrades. So, uh, Well, you don't I, like the concrete jungle? No. Um, I worked there enough, and I don't really like it. So um, I am interested, though, to see what they do with the new stadium, um, potentially putting it on the lakefront. 
um, is what they're saying. You they know, want... they don't want to do that though. They want to they want to stay in the same spot so that they can have the CN Tower. You know that. Yeah, um, I don't. I don't really think they care to be honest, because um, I think at the, at the same point, um, I believe they're trying to potentially do enough to the stadium that it can support an NFL team. I think that's what the whole the point of this whole blowing it up is. Oh, Argos um, fans are not going to be happy. Yeah, Argos. There's all ten of them are crying in their sleep right now. Um, so how? <laughs> and one uh, of them hey. angry or something? Jeez. <laughs> no, I just you know, we, we had this conversation on the after the podcast last night, and it was just one of those. The only thing holding back Toronto from getting an NFL team is the stadium, and I think that they're going to try to do i believe at least in my opinion a combined effort to um create a stadium that, that's viable for both i obviously it's not up to date but if, if toronto fc is or not toronto fc sorry if uh the blue jays get another stadium with the, with a dome potentially too that also could very well support an nfl well, I think team that, i think it's going to be a, an indoor stadium akin yeah. to Seattle or Houston or something like that. And, and I think if they can make it NFL worthy with seating, I think they'll be well, because I think even if the stadium, like, uh, like the Blue Jays and stuff, the Blue Jays will sell out because they're, they're an up and coming team. And I think this is the perfect time to expand seating and put even more seats in, in that stadium. So they're going to have a, re- a retractable field. Yep. Or, or, or they'll do something like, um, like Oakland, do something like that. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying for sure. Um, yeah, that'll be interesting. I, I am interested to see what they actually do with this stadium because you just don't know, right? So, well, we will find out in the next couple of weeks. Um, I got to come up with a final thought. I literally just had one and then I, I lost it. Just, just share the All Blacks one. I don't think that counts. <laughs> it does count. Uh, I know, but I just had one and right now I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh, this is what you do, Irfan. You just totally screw me up. <laughs> See, we should probably share our final thoughts. Before, but so no, we'll... it's final thoughts. It's the whole point. It's supposed to be last minute. Um, CPL announced all of their awards, so congratulations to all of the award winners there. They did a, a great job. Uh, MVP of the league, Kyle Becker. Well-deserved from the CPL Island Games, which is the only soccer we've seen in Canada this year. I'm interested to see the movement of players after this season because mm-hmm. York 9 seems to be kind of blowing up their team uh, Pacific as well we could see some very different rosters at the start of next year so there, that's my final thought not not the best but it is what it is sorry that was on me <laughs> it's all good um Make sure you listen to all of the podcasts on the network. Obviously, you can find them all at garagedoorsports.com. Under the shows tab, you can find each individual show. You can follow us on Twitter at Garage Door Sports, no S, and on Instagram at Garage Door Sports. If you want to follow Kyle, it's at Kyle Vardy. If you're looking for Irfan, at Irfan Manji, and myself at Nick McVicker. We bring you new shows every week. We dropped a really cool interview this week with Austin Swift, who will be staying on with the network by the sounds of it as our MLB analyst, which is awesome. And lots of cool stuff coming out week by week. Don't forget to check out the website for NFL recaps every week from our NFL analyst, Wade Zanchetta. 
and just make sure you keep tuning in because we appreciate it. We're growing with you. If you have any comments, questions, and or concerns, or, you know, just ideas for new shows, let us know. We're always listening. You can message any of us or the show itself. And make sure you tune in next week. (laughs) And until then, for the boys, we'll see you next time.